Hey everybody, it's Rob, National Fire Radio, with our first episode of our rebranding from the gospel. Uh, this is Frontline Mindset. I am very excited about this podcast tonight. I have Ernie Young with me. Ernie is a member of the Gunnison Volunteer Fire Department in Colorado and also a the Western Regional Sales Rep for Rosenbauer USA. So I think this is going to be a, a pretty good good conversation because we've gotten, I know we've, we've met in person before. I feel like at some of the uh, of the events, but like this is the first time I'm going to get to sit down and and talk with you. Um, for the audience, I kind of stalked Ernie out in a uh, in a in a creepy way, but like I, I signed up for a <laughs> webinar on wildland urban interface because it really is something that interests me in the fire service, and um, kind of you know saw you. So I, I looked up your your your. Um, I just Google searched your name. I saw your LinkedIn and I saw your Facebook. And that's when I found out that you're this active member of this volunteer fire department in probably one of the most diverse areas as far as responses go. And I don't want to steal this away from you, but like, go ahead and, you know, jump, jump right in here, Ernie, introduce yourself. And yeah. So the cool thing is I I really appreciate just stalking me. Um, It's a (laughs) real neat thing to be able to, when, when you said, Hey, I'd love to talk Gunnison fire. Um, I think I told you, I'll, yeah, let's talk it because I'll talk Gunnison Fire all day long. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to be with this department for 30 years in September was my, my anniversary date. Uh, so I've been able to take this really neat aspect of uh, being part of a fire department that has, of course, had its growing pains and, and has started to do some really neat stuff and then get into sales uh, of fire apparatus. So that's kind of kind of where my heart's been. I've been on the apparatus purchasing committees, you know, back in the day. Um, and to be able to just keep doing that and interact with departments all over the country uh, has helped me to bring a lot more back to my department uh, today. So it's just been a really neat, neat path. And yeah. uh, to be able to share, that's awesome. I appreciate it. Uh, Ernie, when did you start? Uh, it, it, like, how old were you when you started in Gunnison? So I had to been 27. Okay. Um, and it was just one of those things, you know, when we, uh, when you're talking about the small town, how do you, how do you get into it? I, I worked with somebody who was on the department. He always had these really neat stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I worked with another gentleman who was on the department. Neat thing about the, this type of department is we've got a plethora of tradespeople that bring all kinds of different aspects into the department and make it work really well. But I was with uh, uh, one of our former firefighters who's now retired, uh, Larry Martin. And uh, we were on a job just outside of town and he his pager goes off. And he's called out for it's just beginning of winter. There's a slide off, somebody's ejected and I just happened to be with him. And watching that whole scene unfold and almost feeling a little helpless you know i didn't have skills in that area or anything so i'm watching this happen and i had done first aid and you know he sent me down real quick to check a pulse all that kind of stuff and it's like man how can how can i get better at this and so you know i started asking questions and voila here i am today hopefully i know a little more than i did back then yeah that's and i mean I, i i think that's a pretty cool um you know, approach to it because it hooked you instantly. Oh, goodness. It was, it was, it was there. And it was just, I didn't realize that it was something I needed. 
Yeah. Uh, but it certainly turned out to be an incredible part of my life. I joke around and say I probably spent more time at that house than I have in my house. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about Gunnison Volunteer Fire Department, what the makeup is. So we are a 40 member volunteer department. Um, I mean, from the top down, uh, our chief is a volunteer chief. So it's our assistant chief. Um, they both happen to work within our, our municipalities and or taxing entities. Um, one of the interesting things about our department is we have two taxing entities in one station. So we have a city of Gunnison. They purchase apparatus to operate within the city limits. And then we have a fire protection district, which does the same for the other 27,000 square miles that we operate in. So it's a very large district, uh, primarily single station. So all our apparatus from both the city and the district are in one house. And they get along really well. It wasn't always the case. It used to be city calls city trucks, district calls district trucks, and uh, the two shouldn't be crossed. Uh, but now, you know, we've, we've, we've come along, everybody gets along, we help each other out. So we take the truck that we think is appropriate for the call, uh, which oh, is a okay. really neat thing. It really, really helps us out a lot. So, all right, good. Good. I was going to say I must have got long-winded, Derek. I saw the hook come out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it, it's been a really interesting thing. And, uh, you know, beans that we're uh, 40 personnel, um, it really allows us to, to keep the coverage that we've, we've looked for. I think we've been really fortunate in the fact that we've kept a really strong uh, group of volunteers mm -hmm. um, over time. I noticed as I travel around, because I, you know, I, the West region's a uh, pretty large area. Not all the volunteer departments are having that kind of success. Yeah. Uh, and I, I seem to think that that's a national thing. When I talk to a lot of people, they're either having to find a way to migrate uh, towards some kind of a paid structure or they're just running light. Uh, we've been really fortunate. That I think one of the big driving factors here is we have a college. Okay. And, uh, you know, that's one of those things back when I first came on. Well, the college was the place that you went at two o'clock in the morning for the smells and bells when everybody came home from the bar. Uh, now it's actually a resource for us. So we go and recruit and we'll get a person uh, for four or five, maybe six years who's working towards their college degree. Um, they have an interest possibly in the industry for the future, be it EMS or fire, or maybe they're just looking for something to do and it seems really cool. And once they get engaged uh, with our department and the type of trainings and the plethora of, of different calls that they get to see. Um, we either get them for sure for at least that amount of time, maybe a little longer, uh, but we also drive a lot of people, I think, to uh, go out and, and seek a larger professional department. And by professional, I mean paid. If you look on the side of our trucks, they say that we are professionally staffed by volunteers. And that's kind of the mindset that we've always taken is, Regardless whether you're in a, a Gunnison, Colorado, or a New York City, when somebody needs help, they need a professional level of help. So that, that's how we've kind of attacked our training and our growth is to be able to do that. And so uh, 
we've we've been delivering some really solid firefighters out into um, the industry. I I, I kind of joke and say that I'm looking for our check to be the farm team for a lot of other departments because uh, we're able to put out some pretty good people. I think. You know, I I think it's a really uh, Jeremy talks about this a lot with his department in Franklin Lakes, and I know certainly. Um, some of the places that I've been involved with, we've turned out, I mean, even my home department in, in rural Sullivan County, you know, there's a couple of us who have moved on to career positions and there's a feather in the cap for the home department when that happens. And I'm not saying that that's the, you know, end all be all, but like to know that you hook somebody into that profession and they sought it out professionally as their livelihood, you know, and then like, I, I'm sure you have it in Gunnison, but the fact that you know, like I'll, I'll still go back and touch base with the people in Youngsville and be available for them if they need something. Um, because I like, it's, it's always like, you know, you should always have a place to call home and same thing. I see with Jeremy's department of Franklin lakes, the guys who are on the job come back to give back to, to the department. And it's just, it speaks about the organization. It is. It's a really neat thing that gets, somebody to come back and, and jump in on training night mm -hmm. and and kind of bring what they learned. Uh, the cool thing is when I'm traveling, I always try and make it a point to stop in and, and visit with some of our firefighters who are out there. A lot of them have migrated to the Pacific Northwest for some reason. Uh, but it's kind of, you get to see, uh, I don't know, your resume, if you will, yeah. out there working that, that uh, came from someplace. And you hope that somewhere along the lines, you, you gave them that little fire to go out and, 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 you know, grow. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think it's interesting because I look at, I, before looking at the website, 2,700 square miles, the Facebook page, there's an array of calls that you're doing, whether it's wildland, wildland interface rescues. And I'm not talking just like stuff on the highway. Like you have some like wilderness of Colorado. And like, I, I know that is not like, I mean, the satellite images, had mountains that had snow tops on them. So, and I don't know if I'm looking at the wrong image or the wrong Gunnison here, but like there is a wider range, uh, uh, a wide array of call types and you have to have a, a, a different, oh, maybe not, you, you've got to get in that mindset that like, hey, when the pager goes off, like you really, you, you've got to train yourself so you're ready for that. Yeah, it's, it's a lot different. Like, you know, when I travel around, I talk to somebody from Department X and they have a four mile response radius. Okay. They're in and out and they, they run a different set of calls. Okay. They probably do more intense structure fire runs than we do for sure. Uh, it's just a different thing. I might be 30 minutes to on scene for a semi truck off the top of a Monarch pass, which is, you know, uh, a 300 foot plus drop off uh, and the pass itself is you know 11,500 feet at the top so it's different areas that we have to work in you know when you're when you're doing these low angle rescues of a, a driver pinned in a semi truck over the side of a mountain pass um, and and the start of that response you can drive into a different weather system and you can have a different absolutely. weather system roll in on you too which is an, another thing of like I didn't realize how dangerous just going for a walk could be. You know, yeah. Well, I, I'm our station's just a little below eight thousand feet, mm -hmm. so we're we start off pretty high, and uh, 
you know, like I said, our mountain passes that have the main highway, which is also one of the primary hazardous materials routes uh, through the state. Um, you know, you start throwing a big snow squall into there and inevitably you have drivers that uh, traveling through don't have chains on their trucks because they drove in from California, uh, things like that. So, and we can go from that, you know, it's 45 degrees and fairly nice. And by the time we get on scene, there's four inches of snow and it's a blizzard. Um, so it's always being prepared, you know, having, having your beanies stuck in your, in your gear and, and just having those things almost year round uh, that we can run in the snow. Uh, we went out on a, a smoke report in the wildland uh, just a few weeks ago. And heck, by the time we got <laughs> probably an hour and a half drive time, uh, just because of terrain um, and getting back there, it was cold. Oof. You know, so it's yeah. trying to be prepared for all the different things that this county can throw at you. How 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 is it that, you know, so this, I mean, I'm just thinking, like, the agencies that I've volunteered with, it's hard enough to get somebody to come in the door. And now, like, what's your approach to, because I mean, like, there's a part of me that's like, this is really cool, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm already in, like, I, I see this as the eyes of somebody who's been doing this for almost 25 years now. And I'm like, this is, this is pretty neat. You have somebody who's like, Hey, they walk in and they want to help the, the community out. And they're like, help become a firefighter. It sounds like a great idea. Like, do you just, like, do you slowly ease them into this? Like, how do you, because that's, that, like I said, it's, that's, that's, uh, this isn't just like structural firefighting with maybe a, a yeah. pin job or two. You're, you're talking a lot of disciplines that you have to become, you have to come up to speed with. Yeah. And I, I think that's part of the excitement though, mm-hmm. is you're going to learn a ton of stuff from a lot of different viewpoints, you know, whether we got this guy who, uh, works in a body shop and really no structure of, of cars training you in our extrication night. Um, you know, when we're doing our, our EMS trainings, um, we send a lot of guys, you know, go off and get their first responder EMTs. We have a different level of EMS service. You know, the golden hour here might be shot by the time you get on scene. Right. So, so- so it's really a different level. So I think the best way that we attack that is to create excitement. Um, and that, that's done two ways since, since we're volunteers and really that saves the taxpayers of the district and city a ton of money. Yeah. Um, we have taken the track that, uh, Hey, work with us to get us good equipment. Okay. It's a capital investment. So we have, a really, really good set of apparatus on our bay floor. Uh, We keep our guys in really good gear. So it's making sure that they're taken care of that way. We put them in good trucks and then we give them opportunities to train really well. Um, You know, we we always send a handful to FDIC. We always uh, try and bring in outside trainers um, to our facility. And if if you've seen that facility that's, uh, online um, for our smaller department, it's an exceptional facility to the point where we we started to get outside um, departments wanting to come in and and train with us. Um, We've got a department up the road, Crested Butte Fire Protection District, 
a really strong fire department. They come down and share facilities with us. You know, it's a good opportunity for us to share ideas, listen to different instructors, which I think is very important to bring in some outside ideas and not listen to the same people all the time. Yeah. But uh, just giving those opportunities to get some trainings that maybe you wouldn't get on the department this size. And for those who are looking at it as a possible future, you know, these are some huge, huge training opportunities for people to undertake. Yeah, it's, um, you know, that you said something about like bringing people to FDIC, but then there's also this aspect of bringing outside trainers in and, you know, can can you, can you just kind of touch on that because like just or expand on it just a little bit more because I think that's something where people will look at a price tag, and like let's just say they want Robert Lee to come in and teach them how to do social media stuff for the fire service for twenty five hundred dollars plus the you know the expenses of like the airfare and the lodging and all that stuff, and they'll be like you know and, and by the way folks I'm not saying hire me to come in and, and teach you this stuff I got <laughs> other people for that but like but like you know that's that's a Costs and they're like, well, I don't know if we can swing this, but like, there is a value here. Can you kind of hit on that? Oh, absolutely. There's a value. So, you know, from the top down, you know, our, our chiefs and assistant chiefs, and I'm going to start here, is we have some really good um, training people within our department. Our, our assistant chief, Tom McDonough, uh, one of our captains, T Brown. Um, our Chief Hugo for show, these these are people who truly understand the value of that training. But we also understand that it doesn't stop right here in Gunnison. So you kind of, you'll run into a dead end, okay? We can teach the same thing year after year, and pretty soon people start tuning out, okay? You know, you, we, I've heard this before. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've been guilty of it. I'm sitting in the back of the class. It's like, my God, this is the 10th time I've heard this exact same class. So when you can bring somebody in from the outside, just the engagement and the new thoughts, ideas, and processes that we can work off of um, by far outseed the cost. Okay, and, and we have to, you know, there's certain people, no, we can't bring in the Gunnison, uh, but maybe we will look for an opportunity. So last year we, we hosted the State Firefighters Convention here. Um, that was uh, an institution that not too many years ago was probably on its last leg. And there within that association, some new blood, some eagerness to get new trainings in. Um, we had 120 firefighters from around the state. Uh, we were able to bring in a number of outside firefighters to come in and and put on classes, you know, some RIT classes, some nozzle forward type stuff, just being able to uh, enhance that. And by pairing that with, say, a state training, well, now, now we can afford this, okay? Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. not just us that benefited, it's other departments. And so now we can go to each other's facilities next year and, and expand on what we learned. So it's a huge benefit. And we just happened to parlay that into something that, that was a, a good value for the event and extremely good value for what we were able to get out of it. So kind of doing those kind of things is, is thinking outside of the box. You know, can I create an event to bring in an extrication guru uh, to come in and talk about something maybe we couldn't do, but if I get 
four or five counties. And a lot of times, um, to be honest, if you haven't been to Gunnison, it's a gorgeous recreational area in the mountains of Colorado. So in the summertime, in June, when it's getting way too hot to be where they come from, um, sometimes uh, that's negotiable as to what it takes to get them to come out here. Yeah. You know, heck, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll set guys up to go play golf or, or go fly fishing or go whitewater rafting or something like that. And being able to use some of the assets that your uh, community can offer can be part of the deal. So yeah. it helps us to kind of, kind of bring people in and be honest. We've had a couple of our trainers on uh, this last summer's training set that they're already calling. Hey, you guys need me back next year? you'd like to come back to Gunnison. <laughs> well, that's a win. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a cool place to be, but I think one of the things that they also got out of it was their time was not wasted. Okay? Right. The guys, the guys really engaged the training here. The gals come along and, and really put forth heart. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really easy to get people to come back when they can have a good time themselves putting on the training. Um. You you have this active part in in Gunnison as a firefighter. What ranks have you like? Have, have you moved up and down the ranks before? Yeah, and, and being in this type of thing, um, pretty much everything except chief of department. Okay, you know, I've been assistant chief. I've I've done the the captain's roles. Uh, spent quite a bit of time, you know, as a company lieutenant. Um, and right now, unfortunately, with a lot of my extra travel. I can't commit to that, but I can certainly uh, pick up calls and runs when I'm at, at home. Yeah. And uh, hopefully still be a benefit. Well, so here, here's the, so this other hat you wear, you know, you're, you're this regional sales, uh, regional sales manager uh, for the Western region for Rosenbauer. These, these two worlds kind of collide and I've got, I, I would imagine it's in a beneficial way for, the department and the community, you know, or, or do you keep a separation of church and state? I can tell you from looking you know, at the website I, and the apparatus purchases, it doesn't look like that, but yeah. yeah the cool thing, yeah, those apparatus purchases are actually what got me into here. Um, it was being on the, the purchasing committees. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so being on the purchasing committees, looking at the different manufacturers, trying to figure out what, what suited us just as everybody else does. And it happened to be that line worked really well for us. Um, you know, being able to do our, our type one rear mount four wheel drive engine made sense for an area with an urban interface. Sometimes you need to set that portable at the back of the truck because you're on the two track. You don't have room for that portable tank. Um, um, our Timberwolf, of course, that urban interface type one, yeah. type three rig. And not only beneficial for just the wildland aspect, but we got a lot of places that, uh, you know, you have to negotiate the snow to get to. So having that maneuverable four-wheel drive type setup. And then uh, our T-Rex, our aerial, um, that got me to the point where I was able to meet and uh, get to know the guys in the aerial group with Rosenbauer. And uh, just through conversation and maybe me pestering them, right. hey, you need a guy, you need a guy. Um, I was offered a position as the aerial specialist for a few years. So I, I traveled the country 
you know, showing off our aerial wares. And the cool thing about that was I was able to have a lot of conversations with truck companies. Yeah. Uh, and I brought a lot of that home. It was a really neat way to bring information back to my department that would benefit us just from what I learned. I wish I could have done that 30 years ago. Yeah, that, I can imagine. I, Ernie, um, <laughs> and, and over the years, I've gotten to meet a couple different aerial specialists and uh, kind of just put together what that position is, because I think it's sometimes, uh, in my opinion, I think it gets lost because like sometimes maybe if I'm if I'm uh, getting an apparatus committee, I'm going to spec some kind of aerial, you know, and I call uh, a manufacturer, the salespeople show up from the local dealership. And then there's this guy who's an aerial specialist. And I'm just like, Oh, great, they bought another salesman with me, or, you know, for this to add like another talking head. But like, there's, sure. there is huge value in that. And I never really fully understood the value of the aerial specialist until National Fire Radio. So kind of, if you don't mind diving into that, because I th I feel oh. like it's missed sometimes. No, I'd love to dive into that. That that's kind of one of the things that uh, that you know, coming from purchasing that aerial and trying to figure out what what were we really looking for. You know, it's mm -hmm. pretty easy to just go, let's get one of the last ones. But what's changed in the industry? And 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 I think what we became was. You know, sales is part of it for sure, but we were more of the dealer support. Um, so we are the ones that, I mean, know the nuts and the bolts, uh, being able to understand it operationally. And I think that's one of the things that I, I would work to pride myself on within that position was going in, looking at the district with that department who's looking for their next apparatus, sometimes their first and truly helping them to understand, you know, how this is going to work in the department and try and fit that right apparatus in there. Because I can stick whatever, you know, sticking on the stock, stock list into a department pretty easy. But it's being able to walk away from, you know, that demonstration and having them truly understand the operational capacity, the effectiveness, how it's going to work in their district. Mm -hmm. um, was the truck that I brought to their town the right truck? Yeah. You know, but I could at least show them that the primary functions and features and operations were going to be the same across our, believe it or not, 32 aerial apparatus line and just trying to make that fit and working with the sales guy to, to make sure that that's the one, uh, you know, we, we go into a department and, you know, they're doing their due diligence as yeah. they should. And so they're talking with different manufacturers and it's, it's, it's up to me just to make sure that they understand our product. What well, value does it bring to the table? Do you, do you think there's, um, uh, let's maybe we'll use the term pitfall because I don't know what else other vocabulary word to throw in there, but like, where, you know, what are some of the pitfalls that were like, you know, that I, like I said, I, I do this apparatus committee and you and my local dealer show up. What are the things that I should be focusing the conversation with, with the aerial specialist? Uh, you know, like what, because I feel like that, that's like, so that part maybe, and unless you think that this isn't, you know. No, no, I, I, I think, you know, that's, that's my job. I, I appreciate you asking. And it's something that, 
been a department, and I'm going to come at this kind of at a neutral angle. Yeah. Um, a department should look at. They should look at, you know, it's the bare minimums that we need to start with. And it's amazing how sometimes these get missed. How long is your bay that you're going to put it in? Will it fit? Understanding things like turn radius. Um, how can you get this around your town? You know, if you are in your first apparatus purchase, or maybe you're moving from a 78 to a platform, so you're going from a short stick to a, a bigger platform, understanding the maneuverability. And I, I think one of the big things that uh, gets missed is understanding, you know, turn radius, turn radius of single axles versus tandems. And you'd be surprised if you really look at it, a lot of times single axles will have a bigger turn radius just because they're a longer wheelbase than your tandems. So there's misconceptions that get out there. And so it's really nice to be able to, to have a truck come in where we actually allow their engineers like, hey, let's get in the driver's seat and let's go drive to your concerning areas. And I think that's, that's very important to do, especially if you're changing types, is get the truck in. Go look at it. If you can't look at it operationally, then uh, if you're buying off of a brochure or a picture on a website, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. Um, you know, I encourage people, hey, on our stick, stretch that thing out and let's let's put it at a 45 degree angle and, and let's belt up and, and climb out to the tip. I want you to understand the difference in construction of aerials. And understand, you know, I, I don't want you to learn the first time that you're on a burner trying to get on the roof that this isn't as stable as you thought it was going to be. Right. Yeah. So, so we really try as aerial specialists is to get a true engagement so they can truly see the operation. Let's, let's go land some roofs in your area that you're concerned with. Um, let's take it down to that area that's super tight and let me show you how short jacking without safety overrides really works and how much time that'll save you. And, and let's look at it in that phase. You know, if, if Aunt Nellie's hanging out the window, 30 seconds can be a big deal. So yeah. we try and go in from that aspect of just let's, without having a true fire, put it in those type of reality type situations and, and let you get a good feel of it. We let you fly it. Let's, let's, Let's take control here and let you really, really understand uh, what we can offer you. I, I think it's uh, something I said to someone who was going into, in, in the course of National Fire Radio, somebody had reached out and said, like, hey, we're going to do an aerial for the first time. You know, is there anything that we should be aware of? And I said, be wary of the salesperson who just wants you to set it up in your firehouse parking lot. Take <laughs> it out in this, in this, like, hit them streets of the demo truck and go to your areas of, uh, and as you put it, uh, your, your concerning areas, like where your hills are, you know, where you're going to have a hard time spotting the truck because of wires and overhead obstructions versus cars. And, you know, it's like, and it, it was, it was interesting to go out and some of these, you know, going through this process and it took us a couple of years, but seeing some of the different manufacturers 
and then being like, no, we shouldn't, like, there's no reason to do that. And I'm like, well, wait a second. <laughs> Maybe there is, like, you know, and it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's a cool, it's a, it, I, I always love talking to you guys because, you know, I've gotten to know Greg um, yeah. really well. I've gotten to know uh, when he used to work for uh, KME, Mike Caesar. Um, and then, um, oh, crap, his name's on the tip of my tongue from Pierce. Um, and he's in our Northeast region here. Um, oh, it's going to drive me nuts. But like every one of them, and, and there was another one for me, like every one of them has had this plethora of knowledge. And I've always hoped that like, just, you know, we're going to go off the rails here for a second, but I always hope that I could get like four aerial specialists from four different manufacturers in the same room to talk about specking out that, that aerial truck and going through the differences between the straight stick, the mid mount tower, mid mount you know, mm -hmm. stick, uh, rear mount tower, and just kind of like setting the stage for expectations because so many times people have, like you, and you hit on it before you said, if you're looking at it as a video or a brochure and that's how you're picking your truck, like, <laughs> you know, and I, like I said, that, that was just something that I wanted to, yeah. I, I'm you trying know, to do, work on. <laughs> you do that, you're going to have some surprises. Um, and, and I think if, if you got um, different aerial specialists from different manufacturers in one room, you're probably going to get one thing. Yeah, we're, we're all going to kind of highlight what we do a little bit better than the other one. And everybody has their specialties. I think end of the day, these guys just want a department to have something that's going to do the job, do yeah. it as safe as possible. And, you know, at heart, that's what we do. Yes. It's really cool when I can impress upon you what my truck can do. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I I spent the last couple of years carrying honor flags for fallen firefighters as I've been traveling around and getting them signed and, and taking them to family. So that whole everybody goes home is extremely important to me. So that that's I, I think that's the big thing. And that's that's one of the neatest things and the most satisfying things about doing this is just making sure that we give people great tools yeah. for that moment. Like you said, you know, well, maybe, maybe we don't need this, but did we think of that one, that once in a career call, are we set up to be successful for that? Because if we are, everything behind it falls into place. Yeah. What's uh, you, 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 you said, you know, you carry these honor flags, kind of go into that a little bit because I, you know, I've never heard of this before. Ah, so, uh, yeah, I was involved with a group that uh, uh, I've since parted with, but uh, we did some really good things where we uh, uh, would set up for uh, uh, Ben Lauren was one of the first firefighters who was uh, killed in the line of duty in uh, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And uh, I happened to, uh, was looking for something that I could do as I was traveling around. And uh, there was a group uh, putting out flags to honor fallen uh, heroes not necessarily it was law enforcement uh, military of course i'm i'm on the fire side so i started taking a uh, a red line flag around with me so as i'd get done with the demo uh, we'd go into the station around the kitchen table to chat for a few minutes and uh, you know firefighters would tell them the story of uh, the fallen firefighter and, uh, you know, the on-duty group would sign the flag, and eventually I would have a full flag full of signatures 
with a lot of brotherly love and uh we how he flipped <laughs> yeah so at the end uh uh take that to the family um all the firefighters that i did were actually uh younger firefighters uh single gentlemen who um so it would be the actual moms and dads uh, so we take those home and uh you know along the way they would follow the flag uh, as it was traveling the country and uh they got to see you know a little love uh from every department and uh i think it, it kind of you know i saw it in firefighters as we were talking about the story that maybe we gave them a moment just to to realize that uh you know it's a dangerous thing we do maybe we can do something a little safer next go and make sure that we come home so i think it had a twofold purpose for them um, yeah. i'm getting ready to restart this group uh rosenbauer is gonna uh they they both feet jumped in, says, yes, we'll do this uh, with you. Uh, I've got a number of salesmen with the different dealerships that, that, that want to jump on board as well. So hopefully here in the near future, you'll get to, to see that, you know, I thought I, I knew the brotherhood and what it right. was all about when I carried these flags around. It really hit home as to what we are as, as just this big, big family that bickers quite a bit. But at the end of the day, man, we, we will stand up for each other and, and families. And it, it was probably one of the neatest things I've done in my 30 years. Yeah, that's well, and I think it's, you know, and I just know from uh, various like doing fire instructor too, you know, recently, the, the, one of the things that the New York State does is they make you do a, a you know, a final presentation on a NIOSH report and you know, so I'm like, all right, cool. And I got this NIOSH report that actually worked out with my side business. But um, it like you, you really like just by doing that report, you get vested into who this person was, because ultimately, you're reading the obituary, you're reading who they are, you're watching videos, and you're putting together a PowerPoint. And that's only that was only for like a 24, 48 hour period that I had to, to do that. But I still you know, it, it's still there. So like you're carrying a flag around the country, you know, like that's like, you're really like you, every time somebody signs, every time somebody interacts with, with you and that it's another, it's adding on to that, that, uh, that sacrifice, you know, like, or I would imagine. <laughs> it's like I said, it was powerful. Yeah. Um, it, it was, uh, I'm hoping therapeutic for the families um, when they saw the picture of whatever department. Um, and some of these went from, uh, I, I not only did the West region when I was doing this thing, I'd had flags signed in Alaska, Hawaii, and uh, New York City, uh, Jacksonville, Florida. They went everywhere. And, uh, you know, I, I think sometimes the families probably get those flags out and, go through them because they were always signed with, you know, name and, and usually station. Yeah. And they just got to see that, uh, you know, there was a lot of love and hopefully there was a lot of, of education that comes out of it. Well, we'd say like never forget, but the reality is time passes and we don't forget, but it's just, you know, it, it's good to know that because like even with, you know, you know, I wrote down Benjamin, uh, 
uh, Lauren here, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be reading his NIOSH report when we're done with this. Like I won't go to bed until I read it. So like just in that act alone, like we've gotten one more person, and then I know who I am. So it's gonna come back to work with me, and we're gonna talk about it at work. So it's like yeah, it's a, it's a, that's that's Ernie. That's I I didn't you know. You, you got me on that one. I didn't think that was coming. So <laughs> thank you for sharing that. And thank you for, yes. you know, getting this. When, when this program starts up with, you know, uh, once you get it launched off with Rosenbauer, let me know because we'll we'll do what yeah. we can to help out. So I would love to. I think it's it was just a, a really neat program. Um, we'll uh, we'll give it some gusto because, uh, yeah, I get a lot of questions around the sales group hey are you still doing that i've got i've got somebody in mind and i think that's just a beautiful thing just to uh, keep that thing going and and that's that's a big part of i think this this whole conversation we're having today is just remembering um that we stand on the shoulders of some pretty great people um, and being able to remember, honor, respect that. Um, and, and I think the best thing that we can do is just be great firefighters moving forward uh, to keep those memories alive. And, uh, um, you know, we started out, when I started out as a, as a young kid, I had some really awesome mentors. Uh, some, uh, some have passed um, and others I still get to see. And it's, uh, it's just always trying to do that right uh, by passing things along by you know if i'm down at the station i can't forget that uh, i still need to roll hose at the end of the call and it's just making sure that we invest heavily in the people who are coming up now because um, <laughs> to be honest um, we're, we're developing a different firefighter than we were a few years ago and i think it behooves us to really invest a lot of that experience and time and this job that I have now, extremely blessed to be able to do it and to be able to bring things home to my department. Um, you know, before I was, you know, my early 20s, I don't know if I did much more than look at the neat red truck going down the street making all the noise. But once I got involved, it's, uh, it's so much a part of my bloodstream. Uh, it's pretty insane. I. When I'm out on the road, I'll probably joke that I spend more time in a Rosenbauer seat uh, than anything else. You know, I, I got the, after the aerial thing, uh, you get used to that hands-on and being in the departments. Uh, I jumped at the chance to drive around in our RTX for a couple months, which is, you know, just uh, understanding and seeing changes in tradition and, and being able to look forward, whatever that may be. It's a, right. it's a really neat opportunity. So yeah, cool stuff that's out there. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's a it, it's a it's a it's incredible what 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 this fire service has done for me personally, and and, and for everybody that kind of interacts with it. And I sometimes I say like, hey, it's you know you get when guys are getting discouraged, like, you get what you put into it. But it's also you know kind of remember that. And, and you said we stand on the shoulders some pretty good people and you talked about mentorship who are some of the people that you're standing on their, their shoulders now you know that's like yeah, when you think back you know, you're 30 years you in this know, if I, I look right now um you know i had uh my first lieutenant 
Beeb Adamich. Um, in fact, it was really neat. A couple years ago, we were on a, uh, a T-bone out at an intersection. I look over on the curb, and and there he stands. He happened to come back to town. You know, he retired and moved to someplace warmer um, <laughs> at the time. And it was just really neat to walk over and be able to uh, to chat with him, you know, Jim Miles, who was our, our chief here for a number of years. Um, and I'd known him since before my fire service days. Um, just a lot of time with these people that, like you talk about, you know, you're, you're sitting down at the firehouse after a call for two hours, just kind of, and, and it's not just fire stuff. You have an right. opportunity to, to just grow as a, as a person. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of experience just in life. And I think uh, that was a huge part that the firehouse brought to, to my world was just, you know, maybe you got to learn through other people's mistakes mm-hmm. and uh, just general general life. And it helps you to be a better firefighter. Uh, I think it helps you to be more compassionate as a person. So uh, just having those relationships um, with those type of people that, that brought you in bud harris was a big one you know i'd he was one of the first ones that i started hearing the the gunnison fire stories from uh actually worked in an underground coal mine so he kind of had me as a captive audience during lunchtime I, you can't go too far but you know he would tell right. the stories of the calls that they did that weekend or the night before and you know, when i got that first chance to, to kind of be on scene of that real call it was like wow this is actually really neat and uh you know then you progress to uh going down and and getting to hang out during trainings and and uh you know you you i think i deviated earlier when you talked about kind of how we do it it's you know we do our interview process and we go down and we get to hang out and kind of get to know the people um you know we do our company dinners once a month uh and uh, just it's a good chance to sit around the table, get to know people. And then uh, we do an academy. Um, I don't know if you've seen the pictures of our training facility, but it's actually a, a pretty significant training facility. It's, I think, one of the larger ones in the state. Yeah. Um, so we, we go through a pretty serious training program. Uh, and then we pull in, you know, getting our, our certs out of the way. When, when I first came on, you know, certification books weren't going to help you, but it, it gave us a standard to work with instead of everybody doing their own thing. So um, just that growth and being able to, to, you know, people will leave here with a college education, probably fire to their hazmat ops and an EMT basic. And that's, that's going to get them a long ways down the road. And I yeah. think that's, that's kind of a, one of the things that, you know, if you have the opportunity to develop a program, you know, we don't get the, uh, you know, when I first came on, I think we probably had almost everybody went to 20, 25 years. That's just no longer the case. So you get that handful of people and they're, they're the ones that develop that training program. They're the mentors. They know, they know how to get that long-term benefit out of maybe shorter term personnel these days. And it's just something we had to do to adapt. Yeah, I, I think the idea of a transient fire service needs to be embraced. And I certainly didn't understand it until I started volunteering in Prince George's County and realized that, you know, this live-in program that was in these firehouses was very much, you know, taking somebody 
and they were only going to have them for two to four years and turning them into something, getting them that value. And like all, all along the way, there's mentorship with like some of the people in the bunk room who are, you know, the sergeants and stuff like that. And like, it's, you know, and, and, and then I come back home and I see volunteer departments struggling and they're still trying to do it. Like it's the 1970s when we had like people beating the door down to come in and like right. you hear these like old timers like, well, we had the black ball and everybody got a black marble. And if somebody put the marble down, that person didn't get voted in. And it's like, you know, now like, like it's just like, and that might've been, <laughs> it was a different time obviously, but like now we're, we're missing, we've got to do something differently and it's not just the volunteer fire service because i think it's trickling down to the career service as well like the people signing up to take the civil service test we don't have the numbers that we used to have so no it's all of us we like and that's what i said to somebody one day i was like we're in this together whether you realize it or not career and volunteer yeah. and this career guy was like no 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 and i'm like no 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 like look at your numbers look at what yeah. the look at what's happening to the police departments and what they're hiring like, do you want to be no, them? Exactly. It's a, it's learning to, you know, we've got to adapt. We've always have, be it apparatus, be it tactics. Um, so it, my department, we've learned to adapt and, and actually embrace, uh, you know, when I came on, we'd have never looked at that four-year person. It's not worth the investment. Yeah. But I think now the way we've structured our training around that, we're actually getting incredible firefighters in short periods of time that uh, are excited to, to do the work. And uh, so we rotate through a few more people than we used to. We're now, we, we've set up our training academies to accommodate that. We've just made that a part of, of how we bring our firefighters up. And every once in a while, like I said, Gunnison's a beautiful place. Uh, I'm not encouraging a ton of people to move here. I like a small town. But uh, uh, a lot of these firefighters after college, they're like, dude, I'm staying. And yeah. so you, you grab a couple longer-term firefighters out of it that already have an incredible training base to it. Um, so it's just kind of that, uh, that punch and roll with it. And uh, I think that investment for us is just really, really good training, uh, exciting, you know, bringing in new voices here and there giving them outside opportunities to go to auto X, you know, over in the Denver area, uh, go interact with other people. And, uh, you know, we always bring back great ideas and then we get them to engage in the trainings and, and they get to learn new skills by teaching and instructing and, and working towards that fire instructor certification. And so it's all, yeah. it's all about giving pathways to not only ourselves, but the firefighters that are coming on board. Yeah, you know, I, I remember it. So when I took instructor two, there was a big wig came down from the state to like thank us all for taking the class. And there were some members who were, you know, from the volunteer departments, others were like myself were in career departments. And I asked the question in the class because, you know, in, in New York State, and I'm, in the, you know, I don't know what it's like in Colorado, but they're and I don't say pushing because that's this is going to sound horrible if I say they're pushing 1403. But like when you look at the standard for 1403 live fire drills on, on its own in New York State, you have to 
have instructor one, instructor two for live fire in charge. You have to, you know, the 1403 live burning mm -hmm. class. So like you're looking at a lot of, and, and I'm not saying that this training is not worth it. It's a lot to ask for our departments that are struggling. So I said, it's like, you know, with all this happening, why isn't the state providing instructors like to go around and say like, all right, you know, uh, Hooterville Fire Department, we have uh, two weeks in, in March of the springtime where we're gonna provide you fire service instructors so you can conduct live burns and do training, you know? And they were just like, well, no, that wouldn't be worth it. And I'm like, well, wait a second, hold on. <laughs> if you if you don't invest in this, what do you think will happen when the people can't do the training because you've put you've put a standard out there and we're like we're struggling to maintain it. Sure. Especially in the smaller areas where it's more rural, you know, like you can people could make uh, arguments about this and that, you know, but depending on population and everything else. But like the re reality is when I'm driving across the country, I know I'm driving through areas where I'm depending on, you know, volunteer members of the community. And I want them to have every resource available to them to be as efficient at their job because they're, they're my only hope. They're my family's only hope. They're whoever's out there. And I could just, I, I said, you know, sorry, I'm on this uh, rant there. I'll pull myself back in, but it's just, I think it's something <laughs> like it, it's, it's not, it's, 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 uh, it's cool that you guys are doing this with this Academy and, taking an outside the box approach to getting the training done and investing in these four year members and you're gaining something out of it. And it's worth all the effort. It's worth the juice is worth the squeeze. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. And you know, we've just had some, some really engaged individuals on our department and it started slowly, you know, it started us moving to, uh, you know, actually bring in an IFSTA manual into the firehouse uh, and, and understanding that, Hey, we didn't know everything. Mm -hmm. um, although some would have told you they did. Um, and, and so I think it's opening yourself up to trying to be better. You know, that, that's, that's kind of been a thing that I've tried to work through quite a bit is, you know, did I learn something today? Did I yeah. learn something? It's just getting out. And, and so we've got an incredible, incredible training cadre who, uh, and of course, with the plethora of stuff that we do, you know, are we going to be low angling it off the side of Monarch Pass? Are we going to haul somebody out from a plane crash in the middle of the woods? Are we doing uh, wildland fires? You know, we deploy. We've got groups now, so some of our college guys can pick up some good summer work deploying um, yeah. on one of our rigs. So, uh, you know, it, it benefits us. They get some skills. While they're out there doing it, uh, the district gets to recoup some costs on some apparatus. And uh, uh, so we're learning that. We're doing structure fires. Yeah. We're doing, you know, chimney fires. So uh, it's just, it's a cool place. We're all over with, uh, you know, don't know what I'm going to do tonight when the tones go off. Is it going to be a smells and bells? Or are we going to go out for, you know, a structure fire that has, trees all around you know what's what's my interface so it, it's it's kind of a neat thing but uh it gives us a lot of cool training opportunities as well yeah I, and also i noticed on the map you have the airport in gunnison yes. as well and, and yeah, i assume there's it. some faa people out there like they're so, either the staff or whatever but you still if something happens you're going yeah so we've got you know our uh 
our RF crews that are out there. Um, we actually fly uh, some significant flights, especially during ski season. You know, on a Saturday, we may roll six or seven um, 737s, you know, from all over the country to come in for skiing up in Crested Butte. Um, so, you know, it's those interactions with them, but knowing that we are full on going at the same time that they're going. Um, you know, they don't have a huge airport staff, so they're going to roll out in their RF truck and we're going to come in and lay in for supply and do all that kind of stuff that it takes. So, yeah. When, when, when I, I shouldn't say this when when somebody asks you about Gunnison, what, what, what is the, what is it that comes to mind as far as like the pride and everything? Like what, how would you describe I think it's the sheer fact that we click. Um, I don't know how to make that make sense, but when I jump on a rig and, you know, here most, uh, if I haven't been a line officer, I've been a truck engineer. So when you jump on board because of the training, because of the repetition, we, we click, we mesh. Okay. And it's, it's not like I work with the same crew every time. Every call, depending on people's work schedules and and how things are going that day and being off for Christmas or whatever, um, I may have a, three calls that day and I have a different crew every time. But we click. And, yeah. and that only comes from spending time at the training ground, uh, spending time reefing hose on the trucks, um, it's amazing as much time as we train, we hang out at the firehouse quite a bit yeah. together as well. And uh, I think that's just having that family and and brotherhood and, and you know, probably spending more time than we should together. And, and uh, <laughs> just, uh, you know, you got to enjoy the people. You got to know that they've had the training so that you're comfortable going in any situation with them. And I think that's that's the key, and and that comes from training. That that spend a lot of time together at the training ground. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it builds camaraderie. Uh, ultimately, that's the thing that you know. I I've, I think there's a lot of times where to, I, I've seen training become a negative, but like it really like when when you you know when you when you're doing good quality training, you're yeah. you're getting that camaraderie, and there's nothing that beats that. Keep it quality. Keep it fresh. Um, it's uh <laughs> it's uh it, it's it's difficult sometimes to make that all happen you got to work at it for sure but but having a plan um and and getting that input from everybody and, and get everybody involved you know we we've had some we've had firefighters that yeah you know made for work and whatever reasons just happen to miss mm -hmm. all the calls but doggone it, they're down there working their asses off during training and making sure that they their skill sets are sharp so that when they are on the truck, they fall into place. Yeah. And it works. And, and yeah, you, you don't realize, I think in the past, there were always all the different uh, fraternal groups and things like that. So you could always have some sort of a brotherhood. That doesn't exist so much anymore. Uh, and so I think that's something that we can look at as uh, an industry 
is if we're having trouble, create that atmosphere. Give them, give people that thing that they're looking for. Yeah. Um, they just don't know it's it's missing from their lives. But if you can give them that 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 thing that helps them become a better a better person, um, I, I think that's one of the keys. And and have, going home at the end of the day, having accomplished something is incredibly important to the human spirit and a lot of us don't go home with that anymore yeah so let's provide it let's let's yes. incorporate that into our firehouse and our training and guess what the rest will follow yeah man that's awesome ernie we've been going on for almost an hour here where can uh <laughs> we gotta wrap up for uh but yeah. where can people find you gotcha well i'm on of course linkedin um ernie young um, if anybody wanted to reach out, uh, I'm also, uh, E young at rosenbaueramerica.com. All right. And then do you have any, uh, other events or anything coming up? Anything you need to plug? Boy, what do we got going on? I'm going to be up in, it's like I'm on tour here. I'm going to be up in, uh, Vancouver, Canada, uh, beginning of, uh, actually December 4th. We're unveiling uh, Vancouver's RTX um, engine. It's the first all-electric drive engine in Canada. So that's coming offline here pretty quick. And, uh, yeah, then I've got just a couple. I, I, I still like to engage with uh, when I was an aerial guy and we sold uh, sold the department a truck. Uh, I always like to get out and make sure that uh, uh, I can help you know, put it into service with some, some operationals trainings and stuff like that. So I still get my hands dirty once in a while out in the road, but, uh, you know, those are the big things for now. You know, we, uh, you will be able to find me at FDIC like always, which really isn't that far off when we look at it. So now now definitely come and visit. We've got a great lineup this year. So it'd be really neat to see everybody. Yeah. I I'm really excited about the ladder truck from Fairview. So <laughs> I got you. Yeah, I bet. Now, um, and I, one of the, you know, I, I, I'm running out of time here, but one of these days I'm going to have to, because uh, I, I did see a picture of you with your congresswoman in the bucket of the T-Rex. Oh, yeah. Yes. So yes. I, 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 I got to get that story from you one day because I'd say that was pretty cool. So yeah, let's uh, let's chat again. I really enjoyed this. Yeah. All right, everybody. This is Rob, National Fire Radio. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Frontline Mindset, new podcast, first guest, Ernie Young, Gunnison Fire, Rosenbauer Fire Apparatus. The two worlds are colliding here, and it was an excellent collision to be part of. So, I'm, Ernie, thank you so much for sitting down and having the conversation with me tonight. This is this is awesome. I, 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 yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, Rob. Hang out for a minute here, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll see everybody on the uh, on the flip side.